it's your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have everybody back for another day. Got a lot of good stuff coming up on today's show. Chris Hine covers the Wolves for the Star Tribune. Will join me here in a little bit. Interesting point in that team's season. They play New Orleans tonight. They've got Memphis coming up in a couple days, then a couple against uh, Sacramento after that. So they're kind of done with some of these easier teams, which have not been easy on the Wolves, as Chris and I will talk about at the jump of our segment. Wolves are 4-6 and six this year against the four worst teams in the NBA, and that is just unacceptable. If you're looking for one kind of signifier of where this season has gone, you know, gone awry, gone not according to plan with the Wolves, a game under 500 at this point, that is a big one. So Chris and I will get into that in addition to a lot of other things about Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, and the trade deadline. Got some uh, Aaron Rodgers thoughts here in a few minutes. Got some Twins takes at the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? Start with the Wild today. Third loss in a row. Played well um, Tuesday against Tampa Bay. Probably deserved maybe a better outcome than a 4-2 loss. Tampa Bay scores the go-ahead goal in the third period and uh, and gets an empty net goal towards the end of the game to seal things. The bigger takeaway from the game, aside from Wild playing better despite you know its third consecutive loss, though, is that penalties continue to be a problem for this team. Wild took five minor penalties against Tampa Bay in this game, so give up five power play opportunities. The Lightning got one on the power play, including I believe that that was the uh, that was the tying goal late in the second period, if I'm not mistaken, that got them even in that game before. Uh, before things went uh, before things went to the break, and then they came back out and got that third one to 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 go ahead in the third period. Wilders third most penalty minutes in the entire NHL this season. That's not something you want to be leading in. That's not an area where you want to say, "Hey, we're uh, we're right up there. We've we've got uh, we've got ourselves primed in that position." Five hundred and sixty-five penalty minutes this season. Only Montreal and Florida with more. Um, Within that, you know, the penalty kill has been okay, 79.1%. That's pretty much middle of the pack. And they do have eight shorthanded goals. I believe that's second now in the NHL behind Philadelphia, which has nine. And the Wild did get another one of those on uh, on Tuesday. Joel Eriksson-Eck, first goal of the game, was a shorthanded goal. So when they are shorthanded, they've fared okay. But you do not want, obviously, to give a lot of teams, especially very good teams like Tampa Bay, that many opportunities with the man advantage, and it came back to bite them in this game because, like I said, the tying goal did come on a power play. So just tightening up the bad mistakes, the 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 the, the mistakes the Wild are making, especially uh, with penalties, and, and you know a culprit in this game, and maybe a little bit some lately has was Ryan Hartman forward for the Wild. He had two of their five minor penalties in this game, and. The uh, you know one of those came with about five minutes left in the game with the Wild trying to push to tie the game took a bite out of their momentum took a, took two minutes off the clock where they couldn't really try to push for a goal and the go ahead goal in the third period banked in off of Ryan Hartman again maybe just a little bit of bad luck but he was in a pretty down mood after the game watching the post game uh, reporters asking him kind of about some of those. Some of, some of the penalties and some of the things that maybe are, are weighing on him. Here is what Hartman had to say about that to reporters in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I obviously don't let, like letting my team down. Um, feel responsible for, for, for some things that have gone on, so obviously it's not a good feeling. 
Now, here's why you got to love hockey or, or what makes hockey unique. That sentiment was relayed to wild coach Dean Evason after the game. And here is what Dean Evason said about what Ryan Hartman said and, and Hartman's proclivity to take penalties lately. He should be hard on himself. It's stupid. Absolutely stupid. So there you have it. Um, maybe maybe Hartman's the next in line to uh, to get a seat in the press box instead of on the ice. We'll see about that. Matt Dumba was back for this game, by the way, after uh, getting some healthy scratches lately. Dumba a minus two in this game, by the way. I don't think that was all his fault. I think the Wild, like I said, by and large, played a pretty good game, maybe deserved a better outcome. But again, when you give a team like Tampa Bay that many opportunities, sometimes that's going to happen. You're not going to get the outcome you think you deserve because you're just giving up too many, too many chances, too much, giving too much away to offset all the good things you are doing. Um, you know when you are five on five. So that was the story of that game. That's been the story of the last few games. We'll we'll see how the lineup dynamics change or don't change. We'll see how the Wild fares now that they're kind of off this tough, you know, tough road stretch. Tampa Bay eighteen four and one at home. So. There you go. That, 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 that's tough, right? You, you're not going to win all those games. I think the Wild can at least take some positives out of this one. I'll talk to Sarah McClellan more about that on Thursday's show. Planning to talk to her for Thursday's show, by the way, to get a little bit more in-depth on the Wild. Let's switch to Aaron Rodgers really quick. Now, I don't want to give this too much time right now. I just had a thought because he he, he goes on the Pat McAfee show every week, even in the offseason right now, and that's fine if he wants to, but I'm just... I'm getting. Uh, I've got. I've got some Rogers fatigue. Even though I'm. I'm. I'm interested in this. I, obviously, his what he's going to do. What happens with the Green Bay quarterback situation is interesting and relevant. Obviously, to people that uh, are listening to this podcast. A lot of you are Vikings fans. Some of you are Packers fans. Um, whoever you root for, if you are rooting for one of those two teams, this is a pretty big story. What struck me is this: he's trying to decide what he's going to do next year. He's talking about how he's open to reworking his deal, which obviously you know, he's got a cap number of almost 60. Uh, he's got a cap number of 31 million, but he's got like 59 million guaranteed um, in, in salary in 2023. Obviously, there's not a lot of things that that that, that can be that can be done in terms of a trade or whatnot. Um, but he said he has to decide where he wants to play. And whether that's for the Packers, whether that might be for another team, just reading from the ESPN.com story by Rob Domofsky. And uh, this is what Rodgers told uh, Pat McAfee. He said, all the other ideas about a trade and whatnot, that's all conjecture until I decide what I want to do moving forward for myself. Um, and later he said, um, if, if a trade happens or if he stays with the Packers, whatever he says, uh, I'm not saying that to be cryptic. I've got to figure out what I want to do, and then we'll see what all the parties, where all the parties are at, and what kind of transpires after that. Here's an idea, um, Aaron, and this is fine. Take he can take his time. He needs to do his. He needs to go through his offseason process. I think that's 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 fair. The season has only been over for a few weeks, long over for some, longer than others. Um, the Packers did not make the playoffs this season, in case you did not notice. Um, eight and nine this year. He did not play anywhere near the MVP level that he played in 20, 2020 or 2021, which might go towards this decision, as does Jordan Love sitting there. But as he goes through this process, trying to decide, do I want to play at all? Where do I want to play? Here's an idea. Just don't talk about it. We don't need to hear about it. I don't need to talk about it right now. If you're not talking about it right now, I'm not talking about it right now. Do you just want the attention? What is it that makes him keep talking through the process publicly instead of just going somewhere, 
decompressing and then re-emerging like a groundhog seeing his shadow as soon as he knows what he wants to do. We don't need to hear every every thought process along the way. I, I know he probably just wants attention. I get it. That's kind of how he is wired. But I my advice to him would be just go away for a while until you know what to do and then re-emerge once you know what you want to do, Aaron. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's welcome back Chris Hine onto Daily Delivery. Chris, of course, covers the Timberwolves, your favorite subject on this podcast and mine. Um, Chris, every time I think maybe the Wolves have started to take this season seriously, they do something like lose to the Rockets, losers of 13 straight before that game in Houston on Monday night. Um, I, I, I gotta say, Chris, I, I don't know, you know, a team that's what you think you wrote four and six now against the four worst teams in the league. Sure. Seems like it has a problem, um, taking, taking things to taking things seriously enough in these occasions. How do you explain? How do they explain just kind of the dynamic of playing down to the competition? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, I, I basically posed that exact question to a few players last night. Um, and they didn't try to deny it. Uh, they said, yeah, you know, we let up when we see the Rockets on the schedule. Like, it's just a natural human inclination. So they didn't try to sugarcoat that fact. Um, you know, the first step in correcting a problem is identifying you have one, right? So I, <laughs> but, but the thing is, you don't get to play the Rockets again this year. You don't get to play the Pistons again this year. And, you know, you only have a couple matchups left against some of these bottom teams in the league. So this opportunity to really bank some wins against some of the lower teams in the league has vanished in, in a sense. And they did not take advantage of this portion of their schedule four and six against those teams. It's, you know, you want that to be like eight and two not four and six. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the season, when they're looking back on playoff positioning and seating, you know, you can circle back to, you know, some of the games against better teams that they should have won, but I'm going to circle back to these games and be like, this is where this team, you know, could have been a seed or two higher if they had just taken care of business, even on half of these remaining right. games, you know, seven and three, even in these 10 games would be a market improvement. So nobody to blame, but themselves, this is kind of who they are as a team, who we, who we, who we know them to be uh, over the last season or two here. And it's one of their biggest uh, points of immaturity that they have. Do you think that, I mean, it's never one thing usually with, with any explanation to a complex problem and certainly not with, this team but is there is there a player is there a system is there something that we can kind of start where we say it, it's you know is it ant still not being a, a fully mature player is it are they taking their pulse from delo is it other things is it just the fact that they've had a lot of players out and then they, they can't afford to coast in games like this is it finch i'm, I'm just trying to do they think they know 
aside from they're not focused enough where that lack of focus is coming from? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Ant I wouldn't I wouldn't put this on Ant necessarily because Ant has I think been really, really good over the last few weeks, especially with Carl being out. Yeah. Has basically I would agree. helped keep them afloat. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put this on Ant. Um you know, especially because considering on Saturday night when everybody else came out flat, he was the only one that had that kind of energy and basically saved them in Saturday's game. Um, I just think it's got to be everybody. It's the supporting cast, like Nas Reed last night, nine minutes of playing time, didn't see the floor that much. They needed more from him. Kyle Anderson, who's been you know one of their best players all season, gets in foul trouble and only plays like 10 or 11 minutes or something like that. Um, I didn't think Jaden McDaniels had his best game, even though he has played better of late. So it was just kind of a collective thing last night that just up and down the roster, the supporting cast, Jalen Noel, um, you know, coming off the bench did not have one of his better games and he had been playing better of late. So just one of those nights where even people who had been playing well, just everybody just collectively just stunk it up. Um, And, you know, you're going to have those nights, but you still need to find a way to beat the Rockets. Um, They got kind of lucky in their previous two meetings. I mean, I think back to the, they played the Rockets three times this month. And the first game, if you remember a couple weeks ago, they were down by 20 before they came back and won. Um, And then Saturday they were down double digits in the second half before Ant goes on a tear and saves them. And then last night it it all came back to bite them. Um, So we'll see, you know, New Orleans, one of the better teams in the Western conference this year on tap uh, for Wednesday night. And I fully expect the wolves to be ready for that because that is kind of who they are. I think they will probably come out and play a good game against New Orleans. Uh, They did last time. Um, So they just, they're maddening in that in that way. And that's just who they are. I would agree with that. And we can be getting bigger picture here. Rudy Gobert resumed um, resumed play. He'd missed three games, I'm, I'm thinking, three or four with the, with yeah, the groin injury. and uh, But he was back against uh, against Houston. And I don't, I'm, I'm not pinning this one on him because he had – I thought he had four him. For, for what we've seen of Gobert this season, that was – you know, I think you would take what he gave you in that game. He had like – 15 15 and four blocks something like that i thought he was pretty good in in stretches at least the individual numbers but i do still sense and again it's been clunky because he's been in he's been out there's hasn't been towns they've been missing players at various points still feels a little clunky when he's on the court offensively doesn't feel like there's this the same flow or or whatever you want to call it um how do you how did you feel like his first game back in the lineup went uh, both from a team standpoint and from a, a, a rudy gobert standpoint yeah I, I thought individually i thought he was he was fine um as you as you pointed the you know the box score looked really good um i, I do think that there is something to just getting used to to playing with him getting readjusted to playing with him um, you know, defensively, they play differently when he's out there most of the time. You know, they're more in that in the drop coverage as opposed to kind of getting up in their in their high wall hedging kind of defense. Um, 
they were doing they've been doing a lot of switching recently as well um so i think there there, there might be something to just getting reacclimated to him but this is kind of the rhythm of the season it had seemed like before he got hurt that that they were getting better he had some of his best games and i think they had some really good performances you know right before rudy got hurt um i'm thinking back to that i think it was the portland game um which was maybe a game before he got hurt when he he played really yeah. well um and then he gave it a go in two other games and had to leave two straight games because of the injury. So, you know, you can't really count those um, when you factor this in. But I think this is just an ongoing process that injury has just interrupted, you know, getting used to playing with him. He had an ankle injury for a little while there. We don't know what it's going to look like when Carl eventually returns. So there's just a lot of the injuries have just kind of interrupted this process, right. Of, right. of integrating Rudy Gobert into what they do. Because one of the, one of the observations I have of, uh, on this season is, and I've written about this a, a time or two before Rudy, like the team needs to really perform well around Rudy in order to maximize what Rudy does well. Yes. Like the team needs to be playing on a string defensively to maximize his potential as a rim protector and shot deter. Um, if they're not, teams are still going to get open looks, especially from, you know, let's say three point range or, or whatnot, where Rudy feels like he has to cover maybe, you know, like two places at once or try to be in two places at once. On offense, it's about integrating him into the, into the flow, the, the screen and roll games, the lobs, the pocket passes, What where, where's the ball going to be coming from when he gets the ball. And like I said, I, I do think that they were making pretty significant progress before this groin injury sidelined him. So how do they get back to that? Where do they go back to it? Um, and then bigger picture, you know, weeks from now when Carl comes back, how does that all look again? So it's it's just a very incomplete picture uh, when you try to examine the impact of, of Rudy Gobert on this team and this team on Gobert. I like that observation. I, I think I said something similar to that on Twitter um, uh, during the game uh, Tuesday night when uh, or Monday night when I think it was a back and forth I was having with Aaron Rupar, big uh, big Wolves fan, where I said I, I liken Gobert in some ways even you know, different sport, but he's kind of like Kirk Cousins, the things we say about Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, where it's like, if things go really well, he's really good. Like he, he can be a piece of something that's going really well. But if something kind of goes off script, that's not really Rudy Gobert's game. That's the, you know, a scrambling kind of game or something like that. That's not really his game similar to Cousins. And again, you know, two different players, two different styles of, of what they bring, but that's something definitely to, to watch as the year goes on. And he could be, maybe that's kind of the upside they see in him is that if they build a, you know, a deep playoff run caliber, you know, team around him, he can be a foundational piece of that. But until they get to that point, it is going to look a little bit, um, maybe not just even a little bit, it's going to look a lot ragged at times because that's not his, uh, not his game. Um, I'm glad you brought up Cat because you, you wrote about him a little bit I think it must have been late last week because he he kind of gave some expanded thoughts on his injury while he was doing a Twitch stream. What do we think about you know his the diagnosis that he was discussing of, of this being more of a grade three calf strain, which would suggest that maybe it is 
going to be, you know, post all-star break perhaps until we see him again. And what does that mean for this season? Yeah. So it was the first time Carl had really expanded publicly in any kind of public forum um, about his thoughts about the injury and kind of detailing what was going on since the injury happened. Um, you know, in journalism school, they, they don't tell you that, you know, you have to be monitoring people's Twitch feeds when they're playing video games with their friends for significant <laughs> news tidbits to no, drop. No, they do not. Uh, no. You know, that's, that, that's, not, that's not something I learned back in college like 15 years ago. Um, so, but this is, this is how it happens these days, you know, with social media and all the various platforms that professional athletes are on. Sometimes it's a, it's a Twitch stream that that generates news. Um, so he, yeah, he detailed that it was a grade three calf strain, um, which is kind of on the more severe end of it. Um, you know, the various websites and things you see, it could be anywhere from you know, two months plus eight to 12 weeks, whatever. He seemed to take issue with a, a reported four to six week time frame, And I think it's important to note. And I, and I noted it in the piece that the team yes. never said four to six weeks. No, nobody from the team has come out publicly to say four to six weeks. In, in the news release of the of the team uh, from the team, it said indefinitely and out several weeks. Chris Finch, when he's been asked about this multiple times uh, over the last couple of months, has always said it's you know no timetable or or it's you know no he, he never put a definitive timestamp on it um, in in any of his public statements about it. So Carl, I think, took issue with that reported uh, from ESPN. We reported four to six weeks as a potential timeline while cautioning that it was not definite. Um, and we used the indefinitely in several weeks language as well. Um, but I think people saw that in an ESPN story um, and in a headline to their article about it and yeah. kind of just grabbed onto it, you know, and I think that's that's what happens because people seeing four to six weeks is easier to, to remember and grasp onto than just saying he's going to be out indefinitely. So he yes. seemed to be perturbed that four to six weeks had passed and people are asking him, well, where are you? Are you, you know, what's going on here? What's the deal? You know, are, are you not back yet? Do you not want to play? You know, all these questions right. start happening because we're now into week eight of this. So I think he took, he took, seemed to take issue with the, or just the frustration around that. When, you know, people have, have ascribed that to him and, and he seems to think it, it came from the team or, or however, seems like there's a lot of miscommunication and confusion there. But bottom line is it, it was a more severe injury than that time frame let on. Um, and, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like at least, you know, I don't have any definitive information on this but it seems safe to say the all-star break is probably like you know you're looking at that as you know where where are you at by that point in time like a more realistic timetable of when it would be possible for a return and you know in between now and then maybe we can kind of finish up with with this i mean between now and then is the trade deadline trade deadline's a little more than two weeks away that's a fascinating animal because you got you've got d'angelo russell who's you know, been the subject of trade rumors for, you know, off and on for a while now. He's got that expiring, you know, $30 million salary slot. This is a team that probably isn't really able to do a lot of damage in free agency. So are they thinking about 
how do, how do you manage that? Delo's been playing really well lately, especially offensively. Like he's been one of their best players, um, you know, probably since the beginning of December or so when he started shooting really well. So any any subtraction there, you've got to wonder about what what the addition does in, in the short term. Uh, where do you, you know, again, it's, it's so complicated because they just got Gobert back. Towns probably won't be back anytime very soon. Probably certainly not before the trade deadline. How do you think they, how do you think they approach it with kind of the season they're having the goals they have and some of these pieces that, you know, are, are, are dangling out there as possible trade fodder. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of questions and I hope to be speaking with Tim Connolly about some of these uh, in the next couple of weeks here. Um, I think, you know, the, 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 the overarching question to me is how much, are you trying to win right now? You know, as it relates to, to D'Angelo, as it relates to maybe dealing Nas Reed, who's on a, you know, in the last year of his deal. Um, and there's been some you know rumors out there associated with him. You know, how much are you trying to push the chips in or how many chips are you pushing into the center of the table for this season? You know, in, it, I think that affects how you how you maybe look at a D'Angelo Russell, especially in light of you don't know when Carl's coming back and what you're going to be getting from him. So do you keep D'Lo because he is having such a great year um, shooting-wise offensively? Um, do you keep Nas Reed because you need another center? Um, and... Gobert has been banged up as well, and you're in Nasrid has been starting, I think, much more than they have anticipated uh, right. this season. Do you have enough center depth in with Nate Knight and Luca Garza that you could still afford to part with Nasrid? Um, you know, there's a lot of questions that I don't, I don't know the definitive answers to them. I was thinking back to um, the other day to the, the monster trade deadline a few years ago um, when Gerson Rosas basically remade the entire team. Uh, Went back when they got D'Lo, right? Hour, that, the, yeah, the, the day they got D'Lo. And I was just thinking about uh, like that trade or that trade day. And one of the deals you know, in that trade deadline was the, the four-team trade where they sent out Robert Covington to Houston and as part of that deal, they got back Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, who were and Jared, in and Jared Vanderbilt at the time, and Jared Vanderbilt, um, and those guys were uh, at least uh, Hernan Gomez and, and Beasley were under Tim Connolly at the time, and were in the last years of their deal, where the team had no plans on re-signing them, so. Connolly pulled the trigger on that trade to, you know, take advantage of, you know, young players who the team wasn't going to sign long term, but they were going to get something for them anyway. So I was just thinking back to that and how that's maybe a little, uh, a little like what they're dealing with, with a player like Nas Reed, you know, good player in the rotation. Right. But, Future past this season, especially with Towns and Gobert here, a little murky. You know, do you cash in that asset for something else? You know, do you do you trade Nas Reed for backcourt depth, and then does that allow you to 
trade Russell potentially. I don't know, you know, but I was thinking back to that trade and just the philosophy that yeah. Tim Connolly had in that trade of, of getting rid of young, not getting rid of, but dealing young players, getting something for them when they were not a part of your uh, long-term plans. And, you know, that year, that was the bubble year. That was the pandemic year. I mean, Denver made it to the Western Conference Finals. So it was, you know, not like they were really sacrificing too much of their, you know, what they were doing in the moment. So just something to keep in mind, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point to make because you're right, you know, thinking about how Connolly has operated in the past. And I, I always go back to, and I did kind of a montage of his introductory news conference um, quotes the other day on the show. And one of the things that he said at that introductory news conference was that I think it's something like success isn't always linear. And I've, I've thought of that quote a few times this year where I just kind of wondered if, you know, kind of, you know, we can think whatever we want about the Gobert trade right now and it doesn't look great. But if he went into this season prepared to kind of go through some stuff, understanding that this roster is incomplete and that there was, you know, a lot of moves still to be made to get it where he wants it to be, to be where he thinks it can ultimately be competitive. And is this trade line, trade deadline part of it? I don't know, but it could be. Um, and right now it does seem like their, their roster has still some, imbalances that could be corrected at the deadline um none of that's going to happen before they play the pelicans um they have memphis coming up pretty soon too right that's the you know their their next their next their schedule gets tougher does it not schedule does get tougher yeah sacramento comes to comes to minnesota for two games and sacramento is playing really well this year um i remember when uh nba twitter was united in saying the kings made a terrible trade last year and now look what's going on, you know? <laughs> yes. Sacramento is one of the surprise stories of, of this season. So, you know, go figure. Go figure. You never know in the association. We'll see how the Wolves do the rest of the way. We'll probably talk to you soon, maybe around the trade deadline again, Chris Hine. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. See you later, Mike. Good stuff from Chris. As always, he'll have you covered in New Orleans. Kind of a big stretch coming up for him, for the Wolves, like we talked about at the end with you know, New Orleans, Memphis, two against Sacramento. I mean, those are all teams that they are chasing in the West, all teams that are above them in the standings. Wolves have tended to play up to competition this season, but how many wins can they realistically expect to get out of that stretch of games? We will find out soon. Let's finish quickly with the cooler. I wrote this, wrote about this on um, on Tuesday on StarTribune.com. My thought of just the Twins in transformation, just how much they are remaking themselves right now. And this has been a process over the last couple of years, but it's really striking me right now with some of their recent deals, trading Luis Arise, a batting champion for more pitching help, including Pablo Lopez, trading for Michael A. Taylor the other day, a gold glove caliber um, center fielder, signing Christian Vasquez at the start of this offseason, some of the moves they made last year as well, re-signing Carlos Correa, who, you know, excellent all-around player, but a defensive, uh, very good defensive player as well. Twins in 2019 became affectionately known as the Bomba Squad when they hit 307 home runs at a major league record for home runs in a season. Right now, they do not even closely resemble the Bomba Squad. They are being rebuilt around pitching and defense. All of these trades they made in the last couple of years to remake their starting rotation, trading for Jorge Lopez last year to, to, to bolster the bullpen, signing different players to help, signing or trading for players to help the defense. This is a team that will, by and large, 
um, succeed or fail on the merits of their pitching and defense far more than their offense this season, I think. I think the pitching and defense is becoming the strength of this team, not the offense. And we'll see if that bears itself out. We'll see if they're good, bad, otherwise in these areas in this coming season. But I feel like they are remaking themselves intentionally in this mold far away from the Bomba squad of 2019. That'll do it for today. Like I said, Sarah McClellan covers the Wild for the Star Tribune. will be on with me on Thursday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Rand. We'll talk to you tomorrow.